What's going on, everybody? It's another edition of the Let's Boogie podcast. We are coming at you live on... I don't know what day this will be out. Hopefully, not too long after we record this. Um, but it wasn't. But uh, we are going to... We made the executive decision to wait until the final four games on a Saturday night were played before we recorded, and I think it's safe to say uh, we made the right decision. Uh, we also are going to talk about a movie that's near and dear to me and Matt's heart and is kind of a building block of our friendship this week. So yeah, we've got some fun stuff. So let's get down to it, eh? But hey, enough of my yakking. What do you say? Let's boogie. Let's boogie! Let's boogie. If you have crack, let's boogie. <laughs> No one is going into your asshole. Well, I wouldn't let him without the crack. What's up, guys? It's Bigelow. Um, So we recorded this episode on Sunday night, the 4th, the day before the national championship game between Baylor and Gonzaga. Um, I, at the end of the episode, said Gonzaga would win by five. They did not. Uh, they got absolutely torched from the start. Uh, this is going to be my little mini uh, rapid reaction to the national championship game. Uh, they're cutting the nets down. They haven't even shown one shining moment yet. So that tells you what it is. It is 1048 on Monday. The game has just been over for a little bit. Uh, Baylor won by 16. 16 probably is even closer than it really was. Uh, they just came out and dominated from the start. Uh, the top defensive team in the country, the top three-point shooting team in the country, and they executed both of those things to near perfection, finishing shooting 43% from the field, from three, just torching Gonzaga, disrupting everything that they tried to do. Gonzaga couldn't buy a good look. Gonzaga finished with, I'm trying to get the stat, Gonzaga finished, Gonzaga finished with 14, 14 turnovers on the night, Baylor only had 9, um, and like I said in, my, in our little mini preview that uh, we recorded yesterday, I thought Davion Mitchell was going to play a key role, and I, I tweeted out, I said, is it possible for a guy who won not one but two um, National Defensive Player of the Year awards, was a third-team All-American, was a first-team All-Big 12. Is it possible for a guy with that many accolades to be underappreciated? And I think I think it might be possible because that dude is just an absolute dog. He finished with 15 points, six rebounds, five assists, defended Jalen Suggs really well all night. Uh, Jared Butler, first-team All-American, finished with 22 points, 7 assists, 3 rebounds. I mean, they had 15 from Butler, 19 from Macy Oteague, 15 from Mitchell. I mean, it's tough, you know, when you have basically three-point guards. And Baylor could rotate in point guards. I mean, they were just... They were just phenomenal. I don't think any team in the country could beat Baylor the way they played uh, tonight. They... Played in a football stadium like it was basically their home field. I mean, they just plain uh, dominated. Uh, for Gonzaga, the perfect season is denied. 1976 Indiana remains the last perfect season in college basketball. 
like I said on the podcast, I was rooting for history. I was rooting for a perfect season. And they just looked, I mean, at the start of the game, they looked like they celebrated the national title after the buzzer beater. And they just couldn't buy a good look. Nobody was a fit. I mean, they still found a way to shoot 51%. And they lost by 16 they weren't making threes until the end of the game. Their first-team All-American, Kispert, couldn't get going. Suggs finished with 22 points but on 15 shots. I mean, it, they just could not get anything going. Baylor staggered them from the start. Um, definitely a dud. A dud of a national championship game after most basketball people had said that this was the most anticipated game in forever, that this was statistically the best matchup for a national championship game in forever, and it laid an egg. Um, a, a reflection of, of sorts, it definitely was good to have the, the NCAA tournament back in our lives. This definitely kind of, I mean, aside from the fact that it was, you know, the first tournament back after two years of not having one, um, kind of a forgettable tournament. Uh, the all-timer in the semifinals was there. There was, I mean, that was the first buzzer beater. That was the first buzzer beater of the tournament was in the semifinals, which is kind of crazy. Um, we still had, you know, still had two two one seeds and a two seed in the final four. The two best teams all year ended up in the national championship game, and Baylor just happened to be the better team. Uh, for Gonzaga, I have to question. I wonder if any. I mean, Jalen Suggs is probably gone, but aside from him, I have to wonder how many guys on the team want to try to come back and maybe run it back. They've got a really good recruiting class coming in. I didn't even mention the fact on the podcast that they got the commitment from Hunter Salas, who eclipses Jalen Suggs as the highest-rated recruit to ever go to Gonzaga. Um, I mean, they'll be back. They'll be back on the national stage next year. They are going to have a good recruiting class. I'm interested to see... How many pieces from Gonzaga uh, want to run it back? But that is my quick little instant rapid reaction. My prediction could not have been more off. Um, I basically said Gonzaga would cover, and they got stomped. So I'm going to wrap this up just in time to watch one shining moment. I don't know where Matt will put this in the podcast, but a little bit of time traveling. Baylor is your national champion for 2021 in college basketball. What a year. And now for something completely different. How about those final four games? Uh, couldn't th- those were that was a two sided a two a two sided coin? Is is that the expression? I think I double edged sword, double, something like that. Uh, it definitely went probably the opposite way that most people expected it to go last night. I definitely expected it to be the exact opposite way. I thought Baylor Houston was going to be the close game, and that just did not yeah. end up happening. Um, I mean. Shit, Baylor. Baylor was the first team ever to make it to the Final Four with only only having to face double digit seeds, and uh, Houston. You could not Baylor. Yeah, Houston. <laughs> fart, 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 fart. Cut diarrhea that. mouth. Diarrhea mouth. Yeah, man. I mean, Houston was the uh, first team in NCAA tournament history to get to the Final Four with only facing double digit seeds, and I mean that showed I mean right away against a team that's as good uh defensively as Baylor is um that's kind of been the story of the tournament though hasn't it all the games we think are going to be good really haven't been that great and all the games that 
like we're kind of like, eh, don't really need to watch that one. Have been pretty fucking good. Kind of, like. yeah. I mean, some people, some people uh, have have called Baylor fraudulent. Not Baylor. <laughs> Two Texas teams. I can't say. I can't speak. Have called Houston uh, a certain word that uh, starts with an F and rhymes with rod all uh, year, and that would be frauds. And they kind of looked like frauds against Baylor. Um, I saw someone say that 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 game really should have been uh, Baylor, Illinois. We can only dream. There's an alternate timeline where that happened. You had one job, Illinois. But, yeah, Baylor cruises with authority past Houston. Um, I mean, Baylor, they're just, I mean, they defend the hell out of you, man. They and their guards are tough. Their guards are tough. There's not really a backcourt like them in America. Uh, Jared Butler was the first team All American on that team, but I think I think Davion Mitchell does not get enough credit. And he was a second team All American and a first team All Big Twelve guy. And I think he's still underrated. He does not get enough credit for just being a dog defensively. And I mean, he's just he's pretty tough to stop. Um, and you know, watching those two games. I mean, I just thought to myself, how did, how did anyone with a fully functioning brain think that the national championship game was going to be anything aside from Gonzaga Baylor? I mean, how, how did, why did anyone think that the two teams that all season were in a league of their own were above everyone else? Why, why did anyone think it was going to be anything different? Um, because it's March Madness and people pick the upsets. That's exactly what I did. I fell into the trap. I fell into the trap too. I, I, I resorted to being being a Big Ten man, and I shouldn't have. I should have just stuck with logic because there's there were a lot of good teams, good teams in the Big Ten, even great teams in the Big Ten, great teams in other conferences. But the the difference between that and excellent teams, I'd say Baylor and Gonzaga are excellent teams compared to uh, the rest of the competition they've had to face. But enough about the first game, the second game. Uh, and this game exemplified why I love college basketball more than most of my living relatives. And that is because only in a sport like college basketball can the winningest program in the history of the game, UCLA, with 11 na- with 11 national championships a school located in a preppy upper class suburb of Los Angeles that has all the history in the world can be considered the plucky underdog against a small <laughs> against a small school in with, Oregon or Washington no in the eastern Washington yeah. only only in a sport like college basketball can UCLA be an underdog to a private Catholic school from Eastern Washington with an enrollment of maybe of maybe eight thousand students? And everyone's like, "Wow, I, you know these UCLA guys they they play really hard. These 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 little underdogs they're giving them a fight." But that game, I mean, UCLA played as close to a perfect game as they could have. They were making shot after shot, whether it was a mid-range pull-up 
uh, I mean, they weren't taking smart shots by any means, but they were going in. They were going shot for shot with Gonzaga, which most most of the year, someone would say, if a team tries to go shot for shot with Gonzaga, that's a death sentence. That's a death trap. There's no way you're going to be able to keep up with one of the most efficient offenses, frankly, in college basketball history. And UCLA did the entire game. Johnny Juzang, uh, Kentucky transfer. I'm sure Coach Cal wishes Johnny Juzang was still in Kentucky. Um, finished Kid with like 29. Ball. Kid can ball. He kind of he kind of carried them to the Final Four to begin with. Had 29 of their 51 points in the Elite Eight against Michigan. Man has had himself a tournament. He might have played his way into being a lottery pick. Tiger Campbell, their point guard with the weirdest hair yeah, of the tournament. That dude's pretty just sick. Can, just cannot be comfortable to have that hair on your head. But he had a game, too. And all – and but Gonzaga. The entire game, most of us watching, even the casual fans, were like, okay, this is cool. They're putting up a fight, but Gonzaga's going to pull away. They're just too good. And that moment never came. That moment never came, and they – Gonzaga still – and in the first half, they found a way to be up by one at half. When they looked out of sorts, arguably, they still found a way to shoot 60%. In a, in a half where they're like, wow, UCLA is really giving these guys hell. They still shot 60% from the field. I think they finished, yeah, they finished the game shooting 58% from the field. UCLA finished at 57%. I was going to say, you, pe- can't, you can't ask for a better... F- uh, final four game that where the final score it ends in the 90s for both teams oh a game yeah a game in the 90s where going in most people thought ucla was going to have to muck it up and play tough defense and make it low scoring like they did against michigan to have a chance and the seek i mean there were two first off i thought well you you weren't even watching this game <laughs> Yeah, I, was. I, I was watching it at the. Uh, oh, you just at, didn't see the brewery. You just didn't. You just didn't. You just didn't see OT. Okay, so the sequence toward the end of regulation, where Suggs goes up and blocks Cody Riley's shot, mm-hmm. and then he corrals it, takes three dribbles, and the bounce pass he threw ahead to Kispert for the dunk. That might have been one of the most beautiful basketball sequences I've ever seen. And I'm like, holy cow, this game has everything. Then UCLA at the end of regu- UCLA at the end of regulation, I thought they were taking up too much time, dribbling around. They acted like they were in no hurry in a national semifinal, and I was like, what are they doing? Yeah, me too. And and Drew Timmy, I, I'll just be straight up. And I, I texted this to multiple people during that game. I hate how much I love watching this man Drew Timmy play basketball. I really hate how much I love it. He's just a floppy-headed, mustache-having white boy from Texas who's as fundamentally sound as they come, and he takes a charge (laughs) with less than five seconds to go in regulation in the Final Four when he had four fouls. If that gets called a block, he's out of the game. And Man, don't give a that, fuck. And no, he like that was one of the ballsiest plays of the tournament. And then we get to overtime, and I think the 
yeah, the, the intro to this is going to be the play. You've all seen it by now. The Johnny Juzang gets the putback layup, and Jalen Suggs. What I mean, it's been talked about enough this tournament. He was a two-sport star in Minnesota, the highest-rated recruit to ever go to Gonzaga. He was a hell of a quarterback, but the man's just got the it factor. And let me tell you, pulling up from three three-quarter court as a true freshman in the Final Four, and he just he threw it up and he ran off to the side like he knew it was going in. And that has to be th- the coolest thing I've ever seen. And Mark Few, Gonzaga's coach, after the game to say, oh, he hits those in practice all the time. He put it up, and I, I knew. <laughs> and I'm like, are we serious? Like, are we serious? Like, <laughs> oh, he pulled up from three-quarter court. I knew it was going in. And that just, you know, a lot of heat of the moment recency bias reactions saying that that was the greatest tournament game people had ever seen that that was one of the biggest shots in the history of the tournament and that's gonna be in every montage for the rest of our lives yeah it's up there with the uh villanova (laughs) game winning shot for sure i no definitely and that's that's obviously the first game that popped into my head you know of you know it's a it's a where was i when this game happened kind of game it's like you remember where you were you remember what your reaction was and as a college basketball nerd like me i'll remember sitting in my parents living room with my dad and his two little crackhead puppies and losing my mind like a like an eight-year-old i'll remember that for the rest of my life just like i'll remember making an absolute idiot of myself in my boy Jackson Abramo's basement when I was the only person rooting for Villanova to beat Carolina in 16 and just screaming at the top of my lungs and his, his mom thinking I, I killed somebody <laughs> because of how, how crazy I was going to that shot. And like games like that games, like, I mean, even, you know, it's a long time ago. Some, some people our age might not remember it vividly, but I do the 2008 final where Mario Chalmers hits the shot to tie it at the end of regulation after Derrick Rose missed the free throws and Kansas wins the national championship. A lot of, I know, way too many Kansas basketball fans, but they all remember that like vividly. And people our age, you know, in 2008, we were 9 or 10 years old. <laughs> and that is something that they, that they just vividly remember and you know it just encapsulates everything that i love about college basketball we're going to get the matchup that we all wanted to see on monday night with baylor and gonzaga i really think it could go either way i'm super excited yeah i'm um, happy these were the two teams to end up duking it out i think any other any other team going up against gonzaga in the national championship would have probably been a less exciting game i'm just hoping i'm just hoping we have a good game but it wasn't i'm not really for either side at this point um it'd be nice to see baylor win it i think just 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 you know gonzaga goes a whole year without taking a loss and then the the one where it actually matters uh baylor knocks him out but i don't really care i'm just hoping i'm just hoping for a good game i think 
I mean, the crazy thing about, you know, them, about Gonzaga having that, you know, instant classic game in the semifinals was the last team that came to the Final Four undefeated was Kentucky in 2015. And in that same stadium, they lost in the semifinals to Wisconsin. And, um, Honestly, I mean, and you probably don't know the, you know, the story of like Baylor basketball. So I'll I'll give like the cliff notes. Their coach, Scott Drew, who has been there for 18 years, he came to Baylor in 2003 following <laughs> following honestly, I mean, him getting, I mean, 18 years is a long time and forever people asked is Scott Drew a good coach? He took over a program that was coming off of one player murdering another player in 2003. Can't do that. You And, like, Baylor, everything that Baylor, you know, the athletic department has been through quite a bit of scrutiny. They've been through, you know, their handling of certain things. We don't really need to talk about that. Yeah, in 2003, yeah, so a player was murdered by a former teammate and the their head coach resigned and Scott Drew came in right after that from Valparaiso and has been their coach ever since. It's two and then Mark Few, Gonzaga's coach, he started at Gonzaga as a graduate assistant in 1989 and he has been there ever since. Damn. As either an assistant coach or the head coach and he could have gone anywhere else, could have gone bigger places but he's a guy from the Northwest who's just stayed in the Pacific Northwest. They came close to a title in 2017. That's the one thing missing from Gonzaga's basketball trophy case is a national championship. So I um, I will be uh, upfront and forthcoming. I am rooting for history. I want to see a perfect season. I want to see a perfect undefeated national champion. It hasn't happened since 1976. I think it would be something that would be cool to see. And also, I bought a Gonzaga shirt. I'll so just you're all in. I'll be completely honest. Um, Hunter Salas commits to Gonzaga, and then they beat Creighton by 25 in the tournament. I'm like, you've got a fan in me. I'll <laughs> buy a shirt. Here we go. You did You did the right thing. A shirt Zags. purchase is pretty much the surest thing to a newfound fan as you can possibly get. Oh, no, exactly. But um, So I'm hoping Gonzaga gets it done. Regardless, I'm expecting a very good game. I don't know if this will be out on Monday morning or if it will be out after the game. But uh, regardless, you know, I'm pumped. It should be really fun. Yeah. Speaking of basketball, Space Jam 2 looks horrible. That is an understatement. It looks, it looks absolutely atrocious call me charles barkley because that shit looks terrible i w- and i would be and i would and i will just get this out of the way i don't ca- i wouldn't care if the protagonist of the story was kobe bryant michael jordan steph curry or any other basketball player Shaq, because because i tweeted out yesterday that this movie looks like it has a chance to be the worst movie ever made and I immediately got called a LeBron hating clown. Well, I don't think. And it see, here's the and see, here's the thing. LeBron can act. Yeah, he's a better actor than Jordan. He is, he has shown that he was in what was that movie? I didn't watch it, Trainwreck. but I heard he was actually good in it. Trainwreck. LeBron can act. 
What I'm here to talk about is everything else. <laughs> everything else. The atrocious plot line. And I mean laughably bad. Yeah, like, so it looks like LeBron's son wanders into a fucking Matrix um, portal, and um, Don Cheadle is the uh, bad guy of the Matrix, and he takes LeBron's son because he can? And, I mean, um, the original synopsis I saw... Was something about followers. Was something about Don she- evil Don Sheetle trying to steal LeBron's Instagram followers. Which it doesn't look like that's what it is Which anymore. it doesn't look like that's true. But, I mean... So, what, I, what made me laugh was... The original Space Jam, Michael, Michael Jordan falls into a golf hole, and he ends up in Toon World... And the tunes are like, oh, we need help, ironically enough. You happen to be here. You can you can save us. Da 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 da. In this movie, LeBron's like, but my son, bro. <laughs> yeah. My son. I gotta save my son. And like in the trailer where he's like writing out like his draft board of like what he wants his team to be, and it's like Gandalf. The Iron Giant. Yeah. King King Kong. I saw all that I'm shit like, coming in. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, fucking Ready Player One? What the fuck I'm is like, this? I mean, it looks like Warner Brothers' w- version of Ready Player One. Yeah. Like, just, oh, guess what? We got, we got Warner Brothers properties all over the place. And you know what's going like, to suck? I, I remember there was a, spe- a specific part in the trailer where, like, one, LeBron is going to be 2D animated at some point, which is beyond dumb. I, they did not do that in Space Jam, the original one, for, for a good reason. It looks pretty dumb. Uh, two, it looked like after LeBron came back to like his like live-action self, Bugs Bunny started morphing into a CG Bugs Bunny. Oh, yeah, live-action CG Looney Tunes. As if anyone wants to see that. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, fam. And, like, if you... And, like, when they're getting ready... And, like, here's the thing. Second off, the matchup of the game being the Toon Squad versus the Goon Squad. Corny. Get that out of here. Secondly, calling the game the, quote-unquote, Space Jam. No. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Miss me with that. Thirdly, if you like look closely in the background of the trailer, like when they're getting ready to like play the game, I think I know what you're about to say, which I was going to bring up. You see Pennywise, and you see the dudes from A Clockwork Orange. As if that's yeah appropriate <laughs> in, in in a kids movie. <laughs> Like, yeah, I don't know if people have, <laughs> if you haven't seen Clockwork Orange, there's these dudes that um, kind of just rape and pillage their way through the first half of the movie. And uh, and, and they got courtside seats to the Space Jam. I so guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess this is a Brock Turner situation. They're, they're very promising young men, I guess. <laughs> Sheesh! 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 Yeah, but... Yeah, that yeah, uh, that movie looks bad. I don't care who you are. I already had to. I already had to look at the internet. Say Lola Bunny is not hot enough, 
And then turns out the rest of the movie looks bad too. And people were like, but, but, but the, the, the alley-oop, they did the D Wade LeBron hands up alley-oop. And I'm like, I'm here to tell you right now. We don't care. That's going to be an under the influence watch. I can, I can tell you that right now. No way. I watched that movie sober. I wonder if Pennywise can hoop. You think Pennywise has handles? See, you know, Pennywise kind of defies logic. He's got all the, like, like when he was contorting himself out of that fridge in the first It movie, I'm like, I'm thinking about that. Like, he can morph. Maybe he can be like Mr. Fantastic and like. Pe- Pennywise probably a pest on DTBH. Probably, probably. Pennywise is probably a pest. But there's no um, bigger pest on D than you. Put you in the Space Jam. Put me, yeah. Call me up, Bron. I'll you. You want to see? LeBron's <laughs> getting. See, uh, LeBron's still getting a double double, but he's there. Ain't no way he's getting that triple. No, because <laughs> I mean, I'll. You saw the end of that Gonzaga game. You know who's taking a charge for Team LeBron in the Space Jam at the end of the game? Me. This it guy. Ain't Bugs, <laughs> it ain't Bugs Bunny. It ain't Yosemite Sam. It ain't Daffy Duck. It's me. Nice. Because that's me. I'm the glue. I'm the pest on defense. You heard it from Matt Larson. I'm a defensive pest. It's like the <laughs> one thing he actually does excel at in basketball because I've I, I played against him in basketball a few times, and every time he's on me on defense, I'm like, dude, fuck off. Like, let me, <laughs> let me play. Like, let me at least dribble the ball further, th- further than no. a foot before you fucking no. insert your body halfway into mine. My awkward old man body can somehow defend hard. Speaking of recent movies, I wanted to get your thoughts on the latest. Speaking of Warner Brothers, too. One, uh, speaking of, a, I want to see Godzilla and Kong play one on one. Like who, who, who wins that? Uh, you watched that movie, and I wanted to get some quick thoughts from you on it. Tell the people what you think. Um, it is, it is good. It's a good time. Um. It's been a long time since I've been to the movie theater. I went and saw um, an anime movie with my roommate like six months ago, I want to say, called Akita. I think that was the last time I went to the movie theater. Um, But I haven't seen a new movie in the theaters since like Onward, which was like last February. And I'll tell you what, I missed it. There's no better feeling than watching a movie for the first time with with, with a bunch of people who haven't seen it as well. And it's just loud as fuck. That's the big thing. I would go see this movie in, in in the theater because it's tempting to see it on HBO Max, but the theater experience with, with the sound design. The sound design is really good, and like Godzilla's tail, you can hear it like whip, and just the roars are amazing. The music, too. Um, I have seen, I think, 19 Godzilla movies. And um, which is... How, you, how, how many do you own? Well, Ronnie owns that pack of like 15... Oh, I thought that was yours. Oh, I thought that was yours. No, that's Ronnie's. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I've seen all of, I, I think it's 1960 to 19, I want to say 76. I've seen all of those. Um, oh, my God. So I'm, to say I kind of know what's going on in, in the universe is like kind of accurate. And it was so satisfying to see, because the original Godzilla vs. Kong kind of sucks dick not not even gonna lie because it's you know it's two guys in suits (laughs) just kind of like 
bouncing into each other. They're not so even really wa- fighting. I've never, I've never watched any of these movies, but I've been told that like in the all the old Godzilla versus Kongs, like King Kong just is not big enough. No. To stand a chance in 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 the in the brawl, so he's just vastly undersized. Yeah, so so Kong in Godzilla versus Kong when they face off the first time in like 1963 or whatever, they just kind of increased how big he was because they needed him to be bigger. Um, and in this movie, he's bigger than he was in Kong uh, Skull Island from a few years ago. But I think they explain that because. That movie takes place in the '70s, as opposed to this is in current time. But um, it is it is a really fun movie. Has some great set pieces. By far the best um, uh, monster fighting I've seen, I think ever. Um, there's like an entire sequence in the ocean, and then you've seen it in the trailer probably. Um, there's a. Um, there's a fight sequence that takes place in Hong Kong, which has all these neon lights lighting up the characters, and it looks so cool. Um, I w- that's, Godzilla, that's Godzilla's home turf. Yeah, pretty much. And um, just go see it, because when you go see it in the theaters, you'll be like, man, I did kind of miss this, and that was fun. And don't expect anything other than fucking stupid monsters fighting each other. So another thing that like like I said I've never watched a Godzilla versus Kong a Godzilla or I well I've seen the uh, 2005 cinematic masterpiece that is Peter Jackson's King Kong but I have yeah. not seen any other like Kong or Godzilla movie. Have you but seen the Matthew like, Broderick Godzilla movie? There's a Matthew Broderick Godzilla You haven't movie? seen Godzilla from 1998? No. My guy. You're telling me okay. my boy. You're telling me my boy is in a Godzilla movie. Okay, quick, real quick. Not only is it Matthew Broderick, I think Hank Azaria is in it too, who's one oh. of the and, and and he plays like a reporter or something. So, oh. um, so Godzilla is not Godzilla in that movie. They've they've retconned that movie because they're like, this is not Godzilla. This is the American version. First time the Americans ever got their hands on a Godzilla piece of movies or tv or whatever so basically godzilla comes to new york and the funniest part about this fucking movie is they lose godzilla they lose him in new york um and one of the one of the most famous sequences from the movie is matthew broderick is like this like i think he's a geologist or some shit and he somehow knows everything about godzilla and he's like we need to get all the fish we can find and put it in the middle of this street in Manhattan. (laughs) And then Godzilla basically comes out of like a building and eats all the fish and just kind of leaves and they lose him again. (laughs) And then when you get towards the third act, this motherfucker Godzilla lays eggs in Madison square garden and it turns into, I shit you not, basically Jurassic Park. It is one of, I unironically like the movie because it is actually really entertaining because it's like, what the fuck is this? But I can't believe you haven't seen that. No, I have not. Um, but what I was going to say was, I feel like a common complaint 
about these King Kong or Godzilla movies is when people think that the humans get too much screen time and that they try to make the subplots about the humans more important than they should be. Yeah. Um, that's fair because nobody cares about the human stuff. At the end of the day, you came to see big monkey fight big gecko man and fucking duke it out. I will say I, I liked the, the, the human aspect of this one a lot because, um, there's a little girl, um, who has a connection with King Kong for some reason that I won't go into, uh, without spoilers. And then Millie Bobby Brown is in this movie cause you know, she was in the last one. Um, and her plot line is kind of dumb, but it has um, the kid from Deadpool 2. Who, the fat kid? Yeah. Um, okay. So it's at least kind of entertaining, and their plot line builds up to something else that some people, it's been leaked for some people, but there's like this whole other thing that happens in the third act of the movie that was fucking awesome, satisfied my little nerd heart, so... I love that. Also, shout out to Millie Bobby Brown for just openly saying in an interview that she's never watched a Marvel movie or a Harry Potter movie. I don't know if that means she's trying to get casted in the next Scorsese flick or if she's being honest, but whatever. What does she do in her free time? I don't know. Read books? Make, 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 uh, make TikToks she's, with... Uh, with What's his with face Noah? from Stranger Things? Yeah. <laughs> She's a book girl, isn't she? She reads books. Pro- oh, definitely. Probably was a horse girl in her youth, too. I wouldn't doubt it. No doubt. No doubt horse girl. But we've talked about No doubt movies. just a girl. Because I'm just a girl. Um, we're going to transition to this week's much-anticipated uh, Let's Boogie Movie of the Week. This is our third iteration of the movie of the week so we're going to preface it with why this movie is important to us we kind of mentioned it um in the last episode so we have known each other for a very long time for longer than we'd care to admit um this movie came out in october of 2010 in October of 2010, we were in seventh grade. It's a long time ago. I saw this movie in theaters with my grandma. <laughs> and I don't know what, because my grandma, bless her heart, she loves going to the movies. She loves going to the movies, but the only kind of movies she actually like enjoys are like corny murder mysteries. So I was like, Grandma, Grandma, let's go see the Facebook movie. <laughs> and what what reeled me in, honestly, was the trailer. Because the yeah, trailer... Yeah, that's, that's for, the first thing we have to talk about. The trailer for this movie is iconic. I actually specifically remember, I think, Christmas that year. I remember watching the trailer like on my iPod Touch... In, like, (laughs) some random church's basement or something like that. Like, I was like, (laughs) I honestly watched the trailer, like, multiple times. I was like, I really like this trailer. And, like, the music especially. Oh, it's it's a choir version of Creep Creep by Radiohead, which is, I mean, 
how to rope my dorky ass into a movie 101. Yeah. Make <laughs> and, like. and 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 then the most iconic part for me is the um trailer ends with being accused of intentionally breaching security, violating copyrights, violating individual privacy. Your best friend is suing you for 600 million dollars. As for the charges, I believe I deserve some recognition from this board. I'm sorry? Yes. I don't understand. Which part? I'm like, I gotta see this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'll say this. This was, I was, I told... Friend of the program, number one in our hearts, not just because he was our number one, get our first guest ever, Chris Hetty, uh, who is currently uh, student teaching at Kansas while he is getting his master's in journalism. He, I told him we were talking about the podcast this week, and uh, he said that he remembered going to see the movie in Kansas City with his sister on the plaza, and he, he said that rarely does a director, writer, and score hit like that, and rarely does a movie forecast shit people, forecast people being shit like that movie. <laughs> the Social Network, to sum it up in, like, like, the simplest terms, is the ultimate villain origin story. <laughs> you've seen Joker, you've seen Taxi Driver, you've seen... I don't know. I'm trying to think of other anti-hero movies. Nothing even comes close to the social network because it's real. But I will say I, I, I agree with everything you said. And then I will follow it up by the fact that Chris told me that he showed one of his journalism classes. So this is undergrads at the University of Kansas. He showed them the trailer for the movie. And then they watched the first five minutes. And in his exact words, he said he did have exactly one dipshit ask who Mark Zuckerberg is. And I don't know if I've ever been more disappointed in the youth of America. But exactly what this comes back to what you said. How do you not know who Mark Zuckerberg is when he is unironically one of the biggest villains, disliked people in American culture today. <laughs> Erica Albright said it best. He, it's because he's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, you're going to go through life thinking that girls don't like you because you're a nerd. And that's not true. It's because you're an asshole. Yeah. Way to start the movie with a bang. Um, yeah, so first I think I think we could talk about the uh, opening sequence, which is perfect in terms of like pacing. Basically, getting the viewer in 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 the mental state of all right, this dialogue is gonna hit me fucking faster than like a bullet train. So I need yep. to I need to perk the fuck up and take it in. I mean, as the first line in the movie is him talking about like geniuses per capita in China. Yeah, and I'm just like, whoa, yeah. it's like, <laughs> whoa, 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 hold, hold, hold on, hold, hold, on. hold the phone, hold the phone. <laughs> what are we doing here? You've already <laughs> said like five pages of dialogue in like one minute, Mark. Um, yeah, that whole opening sequence is iconic, really. 
Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. And then like, and and then the transition from the asshole line into the little piano notes, and then hand over hand covers bruise plays while he's running through the fucking Harvard courtyard. Running through Harvard Yard in his Gap hoodie is like so <laughs> iconic, so iconic for me. I agree. I mean, there's so much. Oh, we didn't even mention ball and a biscuit. The opening guitar riff, yeah, just like fucking, it sets you in this in this time. Two thousand four. Yep. <laughs> Welcome and, to two thousand and four. <laughs> and then the Harvard Yard scene immediately cuts into Erica Albright's a bitch, and then him hacking into fucking shit. Well, and, no, 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 not not him hacking. First, he blogs. Yeah, you wanna blogs get, about You want to get you want to get two thousand four. I'm going to write on my blog board how much of a bitch yeah. my ex-girlfriend is. <laughs> one, of my, show her. one of my favorite <laughs> quotes of the whole movie is um, her and her roommate sitting in her dorm. And then she like turns around all super dramatic. And she's like, he blogged about you. <laughs> <laughs> first off, first off, why are yeah. you following your roommate's boyfriend's blog? Not even boyfriend. <laughs> Were well, they like dating, dating? Yeah, the, he just he got dumped. Yeah, yeah. No, he got dumped um, because you know back in two thousand four there wasn't a oh we're just talking. Oh don't no we're just we're just talking we're not dating we're talking. Oh you're oh, cool yeah. <laughs> it was no he, he his ass got dumped. Um. But yeah, he like hacks into shit, and then like it intercuts with like the party scene, and then like the girls are are on the table with with their clothes off, sh- sh- showing showing some skin. And Smart girls party too. <laughs> and that fucking guitar riff is like always in my head. It's like and then Mark Zuckerberg makes Tinder. Yep. He makes Harvard Tinder in 2004. Yep. <laughs> and people go bananas. <laughs> Bananarama. <laughs> and the first, like, I think I remember, I think, oh, it was, ironically enough, Kevin Spacey is an executive producer of this movie. That's funny. And there, and there is an interview with him where he says, Oh, this movie is a lot funnier than you're going to think it is. And the first scene where I laughed out loud, where he is getting put on academic probation. Oh, yeah. And he says, um, first off, I think I deserve a little recognition from this board. <laughs> yeah. I crashed half of Harvard's computer network. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, like that for some reason, just makes me cackle. Yeah, and then, I mean, the iconic line, she's like, I don't understand, and he's like, which part? (laughs) Like, did I stutter? (laughs) Yeah. Did I stutter? Yeah. Um, Jesse Eisenberg is brilliant throughout this movie. He is very good. And and you know what? The one thing I wanted to talk to you about, because I wanted to talk about the actress and all that, um, I think the main complaint I want to say this movie gets, if there's anything to complain about, um, which I don't agree with, actually. I think this movie is, like, a perfect movie. Um, 
a lot of people like to pick at how um, it's not accurate to real life. And to that, I would argue, um, I don't think they were trying to be. I th- I, oh, I would agree. I think they were trying to tell their version of the story the way they wanted to tell it. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and they didn't go like Tarantino history on it. Yeah. It wasn't, oh, Mark Zuckerberg decided to kill people, and then he made Facebook. Yeah. It was, oh, he... There was like, oh, this nerdy guy made a website because he wanted to get girls. And if you see any of the interviews with Mark Zuckerberg, he's like, I wasn't I wasn't trying to just get girls. I, I, just, I just had the time, and I, 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 I think someone at one point said, oh, he didn't want to get girls. He just enjoyed building things. He's also kind of a weird guy. Um, kind of a kind of a weird guy. Yeah, not not a human. Very robotic. But so this movie is Hollywood in that sense. But I don't see the problem in that because I think I think what Aaron Sorkin did with this um, script, which is one of the best I think of all time, um, I think he found a story in there that was worth telling that had a broader theme to it. Because um, I mean, there's. There's many different ways you can do a biography story, a biography story, especially one like this where it's like so much happened behind the scenes. There's no like trans transcripts or anything for you to actually like go on. So yeah, the main two ways to do it are you could either try to do it like word for word, or you do it your own interpretation. And a lot of people like the word for word. I don't. I think I would rather watch. A good storyteller tell his version of a good story. Yeah, and so when I was in middle school, obviously after I saw the movie, I read the book. And if you do a little background, Sorkin said that him and Ben Mesrich, the author of the book that the movie was based on, were doing research on the topic at the same time. And the publishing company for the book was shopping it around to be made into a movie. And Sorkin said he said yes after reading three pages of the book. Yeah, because there's something in there. <laughs> there's something in there that everybody can relate to. Oh, because in two, I mean, in 2010, Facebook in 2010 was on the come up. Wasn't even on the come up. It was the king. It was the king. Yeah, that's true. Why they, that's why they had the tagline of, you know, 500 million friends. Because they, passed, they surpassed having 500 million users. And that was 11 years ago. Yeah. That they hit f- half of a billion people on that social network. And it's, and just, the raw, and, you know, I think a lot of, do people like Timberlake in this movie? I feel like he gets nitpicked. So I think, I think people do. I personally do. I think he does his job. I'm not going to say he's like excellent. I think he does his job well as like the fucking snarky asshole, cocky, you know, party animal kind of like, (laughs) Like, kind of like the person, if you could pick one antagonist out of the movie, I think he would be it. Um, not to say Mark isn't, yeah, even though he's the real villain. He is the real <laughs> villain he, in the end, but yeah, he's also the yeah. the, the protagonist. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, we could talk about um, the actors, which I think on all fronts is like... Okay, actually, what I did want to mention was how Jesse Eisenberg and Andrew Garfield did not win Oscars is beyond me. Um, I think... I think Jesse Eisenberg, I don't think he's even going to come close to something like this ever again. Because, like... Uh, yeah, I would agree. My my whole, like, sidebar about it not being accurate, Jesse Eisenberg did not try to play a real-life Mark. He, he read the script and then was like, this is how I want to do it. And then David Fincher was like, sure, do it. And he fucking nailed it. But, um, <laughs> dude, the fucking... 2011 Oscars were stacked. I was getting ready to say, yeah, that year was kind of, kind of had a few heavy hitters. Arguably, two of the most influential movies of the decade came out in the same year. Yeah. Um, um I I still don't agree with Colin Firth winning Best Actor over Jesse but Eisenberg. But he stuttered. Yeah. But he stuttered. Matthew. Something I can relate to. I know, but. <laughs> I still don't agree with that. Um, I still don't agree with the King's Speech winning Best Picture over... Okay, Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Social Network, Toy Story 3, and and whatever, True Grit. That's a good movie. That's a fucking stacked lineup. I agree. And, like, Garfield Garfield had it, had it a lot tougher than Jesse did going up against Christian Bale and The Fighter, like, this playing is a true. crackhead. This is true. And that is one of, one of probably the best... Probably one of the better supporting roles I've seen. Garfield didn't even get nominated. Yeah, See, that was a tough is, year actually. Because didn't didn't the Social Network like kind of clean up at the Golden Globes and then let down at the Oscars? I think they won like six or seven Golden Globes. And then I don't know to won, be completely honest. And then honest. only won three Oscars. Tell me why I remember how many Golden Globes they won eleven years ago. I could be right. I could be wrong. I don't know. See, but, but I I just don't agree with. Best Picture Director and Actor all going to The King's Speech. That's an incredibly... It's a good movie, don't get me wrong, but I, like, totally spaced off it even existed a few years after it came out. It looks like it did win Best best Adapted Screenplay, obviously. Um, Duh. <laughs> and then I think it won... Um, the next thing I wanted to touch on, the score. By far, probably my favorite movie score. I would have to agree. Um... um this I have I have songs from the score like that are just in playlists that I make, and I'll be like in the car with people, and something from the score will come on. They'll be like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, "Just let it ride, let it happen, let it happen, let it just come over you and suck you in." It also it's won like crack cocaine. What did I say that out loud? <gasps> it also won editing, which I understand because like the editing had to be fucking crisp with all this dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, hand covers bruise. I think is like one of the best soundtrack cuts of all time. Like I would, I would not argue with w- that. Walking along a college campus, listening to hand covers bruise. And just like your headphones on and you're like kind of angsty. You feel like you could like fucking just invent a website real quick. Okay. They did not win six Golden Globes, but they did win four, including best motion picture drama at the Golden Globes the, in 2011. It should have won best picture. But uh, 
but this movie, I mean, I, I rarely do I adore everything about something. People, there are some people out there who think I'm a perpetual hater, that I will always find something wrong with something, something to dog on it, something, whatever. I adore everything about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> from, I, from start to finish, maybe it's just like the, I mean, the story, obviously, I mean, and how much it's escalated since, <laughs> since this story, the Facebook story. I know there's been talks about Sorkin writing a sequel, but only if David Fincher directs it. Um, Jesse Eisenberg saying he'd be willing to play Mark Zuckerberg again. I mean, hey, he played Lex Luthor, which is basically comic book Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. So, I mean, he... He didn't do it very well, but he did it. did not do it very well. I don't know why he had hair. Yeah. But (laughs) that's... Not supposed to have hair. (laughs) No. Paul Giamatti with hair? Lex Luthor with hair? Miss me with that. I think everything about this movie is like a perfect storm. Um, You have... um, First off... Any good movie has to have a great um, s- script, which if you know anything about Aaron Sorkin, he doesn't really make bad, bad scripts. Um, then you got David Fincher as the director, one of the best working directors right now, who just did Mank. I think he should probably take home best uh, director for that. Um, and then you've got great actors all around. You've got a great soundtrack. Um Except, you know, Max Minghella, who plays um, Divya uh, Narendra. Divya Narendra is not actually Indian. He's white. Problematic. <laughs> so, um, I don't know why we had to do that. Um, and, and, I mean, we obviously didn't know 11 years ago that Arnie Hammer's a cannibal. We didn't, we know, didn't that know that 11 either. years ago either. I wonder what was in that but. sandwich that he offered him. In the, uh, in, yeah. in the in in the frat, and then the guy who plays gr- this is my girlfriend's skin in a sandwich. Um, Did you know the guy who plays uh, Dustin uh, Makovitz is the is the little kid from Jurassic Park? No, in I the uh, T Rex scene, yeah, he's all grown up. All grown up. Good for him. But yeah, no, but ev- everything all around editing actors. I mean, there, I have no complaints. It's I I, I think it is a perfect movie. I mean, uh, this has nothing to do with the movie being perfect, but wow, Brenda Song was hot in 2010. Brenda Song was hot. Brenda Song was hot. Rooney Mara and was pretty hot too. Rooney Mara was pretty hot, and she now is, she's she, she still is a little bit. And now she's married to jo- Joaquin Phoenix. Are they so married or just dating? I think they're married. Or or Joaquin Phoenix probably doesn't believe in marriage. Um, probably <laughs> he probably is on on some psychopath stuff but i mean and, and like as a kid i had an infatuation with like boston too and that definitely played into like my love of this movie because obviously it's at harvard um wait you're a boston guy oh i tell you yeah <laughs> oh i tell you um, wicked smart to, wicked smart we might have to watch that movie at some point <laughs> The Departed. No, Wicked Smart. My boy's Wicked Smart. Which one's Good that? Will Hunt. Good oh, Will yeah, Hunting. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might, we might have to, might have to add that, that movie to the list. Um, but yeah, just the story. 
I loved. I mean, I can't complain about this movie. I really can't. It is. It is as close to. I think the only reason, like that, I would understand someone saying this isn't a perfect movie is if they weren't a fan of the subject matter going into it. Like, if you don't really care about the story, you know what I mean? Then I'll be like, yeah. okay, that's fair. But if you try to come at me and say that, like, this movie isn't good, even though you were interested before you, like, even watched it, I'll be like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And I repeat, no thank. I mean, dude, like, the... And what's crazy is, like, the... Arguably the best scenes of the movie are just, like, him in a room with lawyers. Yeah. Where he's just, like, spitting, spitting bars to these lawyers about how he ain't got time for this. Mr. Zuckerberg, do I have your full attention? You have part of my attention. You have the minimal amount. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think I deserve your attention? I took an oath before this, and I refused to perjure myself, so I'm legally obligated to say no. Did I adequately answer your your, your uh, condescending question? <laughs> I mean, bars. Just checking bars, your <laughs> just checking your math on that. Yeah, I got the same thing. Bars. And then I, bars. I mean, arguably the best. There's so many good fucking dialogue lines in this movie. I think my favorite by far is. Um, uh, my hoodies at the cleaners <laughs> with my fuck you flip flops. <laughs> like, where do you even come up with that? My hoodies at the cleaners with my fuck you flip flops. Or um, Shark Week's on. Yep. Great white, beautiful fish. Great white, beautiful fish. Great white, beautiful fish. I mean, there's so, there's so many. I mean, just the littlest, like, dorky sounding shit in this movie i eat it up i eat up all of it and i mean i'd love to see dakota johnson's ass makes an appearance (laughs) dakota johnson's ass stanford that's her name in the movie stanford 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 but yeah i think i think i think we've done enough gushing over the social network (laughs) i think we have if you haven't seen it before it's on netflix it's on hulu if you think mark zuckerberg is evil go watch the villain origin story go see why back when he thought that he just wanted facebook to be cool he didn't want to sell ads ads were lame yeah ads weren't the it thing you don't want to you don't want to Crash the party at 11 before the party's even cool. It's like you're throwing the best party on campus and it has to be over by 11. Okay, JT. But, yeah. um, so in honor of this movie, this week's top five, I proposed this to Matthew. Well, we're do well an- real quick, real quick, we're going to do a Jesse Eisenberg double feature. Next week oh, yeah. is going to be Adventureland, which is one of Ronnie's, my roommate's favorite movies um, for, for some reason. It's a tribute. This one's for you, Ron. I don't know if you um, listen, but this one's for you, Ron. It is another, um, uh, it is another set in a specific time with a great soundtrack movie. You know, I'm a simple man. That's how it works. Turns out Matt Larson's a real period piece with a banger soundtrack kind of guy. Uh, but yeah, that's on HBO max. Um, if you don't know anything about it, quick synopsis. Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart work at a, work at Adventureland, a theme park um, in the 80s. 
And, you know... Not the one in Des Moines, Iowa, no. for us Midwesterners. No. Not, come on over to Adventureland, <laughs> you're gonna have a fun-filled day. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, and then teen drama ensues. I think it's kind of a dark comedy, um, but... It's good. So uh, that is we next haven't week's. done. We haven't done any like straight up funny movies yet. So not straight up funny. I would say it's more of like a dark comedy. Um, but it uh, it's it's still good. It is a good movie, and I haven't seen I've it never, for a long time. I've never seen it. So yeah. we're about to be three for four on movies that I haven't seen. So we'll be <laughs> we'll be fresh. We will. Yeah, it'll be fresh in the head. But as I was saying, this transitions us to this week's top five draft um matt said to me while he was watching this movie that he was basically reciting every line of dialogue because he thinks he has seen the social network 30 plus times so that naturally influenced my my theme for this week's top five draft which is the top five movies that you either know for a fact you have watched the most or think you have watched the most more than any other movie now where this is going to get fun is we have a few that we probably want to have in the draft that we both have on the brain. So, because I had the first pick last week, you get the first pick this time. I think it's only fair for you to flip your phone case again. For me to flip my phone again? Yeah, go for you it. Don't want to do, you, I'm gifting you the first pick. I know, but... I want, I want, I want God on my side. I want the universe on my side. Do you want the screen or the back? Screen. Okay. It is the screen. Nice. So you get the number one pick. Uh, very, very easily. This is the end. Um, son of a me. <laughs> that um, I mean, yeah. It's uh, not only is it one of the funniest movies, um, out there. It is one that I can quote pretty much word for word along the way, and one that um, I will probably still find funny when I'm 50, maybe even 60, maybe even 70. Yep, I, uh, I figured you would steal that from me. It makes me sad, but between the two of us, I don't even want to know what the total amount of times watched for that movie is. Um, I did see someone on Twitter try to say that movie's overrated uh, this past week. Um, They'd be wrong. They would be wrong. Um, It's supposed to be just a ridiculous movie. It's about the apocalypse. Like, that's what people... It's like, this movie's just too absurd. It's too ridiculous. It's overrated. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) what that's what That's what it is supposed to be. So, naturally, for my number one pick, I have to take the movie that is overlooking my left shoulder. And that movie, of course, is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, That movie, I mean, I can literally recite it from beginning to end. It's kind of embarrassing. Um, It's been like my pick-me-up, feel-good movie watch for some reason. Like, since probably sophomore or junior year of high school. And, yeah, I can watch it anytime, anywhere. It's the reason I own a Gordie Howe jersey that I bought from China. Um, It's the reason that Twist and Shout is on every playlist I ever make. And, yeah, so if you know me, you probably expected that movie. So 
Um, I will be snagging Monty Python and the Holy Grail because as a kid, that was the funniest fucking movie I had ever seen. <laughs> and basically, my family, uh, for some reason, when we first got like iTunes movies, when we first started getting iTunes movies, I want to say that was like 2008. We only had like 10 movies um, to like watch. So most of mine are going to be those movies because I know for a fact I've seen those movies upwards of 30 times. So uh, that will be my number two. Number two for me, um, a movie that for most of my youth and probably up until high school, I thought was the funniest movie ever made. I thought that this was the peak of comedy, that you could never eclipse it. And that movie is Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. That is definitely... It's a, a good one. That is a movie, now that I think about it, that I have not watched in a while, and probably for good reason, probably thanks to Burnout. But that movie, I mean, that used to be my go-to, like quoting that movie all the time, just dropping it into random conversations, tweeting quotes of that movie in high school for petty likes, like, he's seen the movie, <laughs> like, and that was, like, my go-to, like, oh, you haven't seen this movie? Good thing I own three copies of it. All right, we're watching <laughs> it. Like, I didn't actually have three, but, like, I forced so many people to watch that movie. Um, so, yeah, Anchorman, that is my number two. Um, I think my third one is gonna have to be the Simpsons movie. Ooh, I've seen the Simpsons. Movie I was I was ex- a, I was expecting this. Um, I've seen that movie a ridiculous amount of times. A lot of people, I don't want to say don't like the Simpsons movie compared to the show. I'm not a Simpsons show guy. I mean, how have you watched like early episodes of the Simpsons though? I have. Really? And I don't think they're that funny. I'm, unfortunately, I am a Family Guy South Park humor. Um, the Simpsons is definitely good, but I'll, I'd much rather have watch South Park or Family Guy. Um, but the Simpsons movie is one of the best comedies, and it it supersedes the show, I think. Um, I'd agree with that. It's marginally more funny than, I, I'd agree. than the show. I mean, I remember, I remember like going to see that movie with my dad and my sister, like when it came out, and I thought, like, wow, my dad is the man. He's taking me to go see the Simpsons movie at twenty grand. Like, this guy's the man. <laughs> um, number three for me, and this is gonna be an out of left field pick. You might be expecting it because you are my best friend. You know my taste. My number three movie is Twister. What? <laughs> Now you are probably you, you have the DVD of it, but I'm surprised that's your number three. So when I was a kid, and I'm talking like a kid, kid like Buffett, a child, a, a child, like <laughs> a squeaky voiced scrawny child, I thought tornadoes were the coolest thing in the world. I was obsessed with the Discovery Channel show Storm Chasers when that Nader was on hunting. TV. I met, like, the guys from Storm Chasers, like, made my dad buy a shirt from the website of one of the guys from Storm Chasers. Like, I was all in. And my mom was like, oh, you got to watch this movie with uh, Bill Paxton from the 90s and just the corniest CGI tornadoes you've ever seen. 
And for some reason, I fell in love with that movie. Rest in peace, Bill Paxton. Pour one out. But I've never seen Twister. <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, that, is, that, that, for that movie was just a pillar of my childhood. I probably could have taken that later because I know you're not going to take it. But I just I just thought of it, and I'm like, yeah, I really had a big weather phase. I'll 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 throw it on there. Uh, my number four. I don't think it's more watched than my fifth movie, but it's gonna have to be Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith, which is <laughs> not. Um, if you've seen it, you'd know it's not the best Star Wars movie, but it is the most entertaining by some by some margin. Because it is the perfect, so bad it's good, but also really good at the same time. Um, Star Wars has never been so um, operatic. George Lucas's touch has never felt so personal on it. Um, As a kid, that was outside of the uh, next movie I'm going to mention, which you probably know is coming. Um... Star Wars was the shit, and uh, th- you you don't get more entertaining than Revenge of the Sith. Okay, so I probably should have taken this movie at three. I should have saved Twister for last. That was dumb. Uh, my number three pick is The Dark Knight. Um, the Dark. I've seen that one a lot. The Dark Knight. So I mean, this was a movie that. My middle school f- group of friends and I, when when my boy Sean Haith, when his basement got finished and had like a 70-inch TV hanging on the wall and like surround sound, the first thing we did was go over there and watch The Dark Knight. And that became like our tradition. Like whether we were up to no good, I'll just put it that way, or if we were just really bored, if it came down to it and we were in Sean's basement we'd throw the dark knight on and Martin Huey would quote every line and it was a blast and that yeah I should have taken that at 3 but yeah that's 4 dark knight that's funny that's that's funny that you mentioned like a tradition I watched the dark knight I want to say originally like uh New Year's Eve 2008 or 9 whenever it came out and then our tradition was watching the dark knight every new year's eve and it evolved into watching the dark knight trilogy like as a family really yeah i like that on new year's eve i like um anyways um you might not have guessed it but once i say it you'll be like duh i mean i know Um, i know what you're getting ready to say my fifth one is 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 titanic um if you know some people who don't know me pre, uh, I don't know, 10th grade was when I kind of got out of it. I was still in it in uh, ninth grade because I built a Lego Titanic. I had a, I had a Titanic phase. Um, that's kind of an understatement. I was big into Titanic. Um, and the movie is very beloved for me. Um, I haven't seen it in like probably like five years, but I need to watch it again because it is, it is pretty entertaining and I want to see, I want to see big ass boat go in the water. 
So I want to play a game with you. I want you to guess how many views your YouTube video has. Uh, 190. A little lower. You're at 187,000 views. (laughs) That's too damn many. Eight years ago, this man made a YouTube video called Building the Lego Titanic, and it has 187,000 views. I was I was I was a late bloomer. That was when I was thirteen, and I still did not have any sense of self awareness. You had a very f- round head. Yeah, you had a, I did have a you had a very head. round head. Your your buzz cut phase. It lasted a while. And your rec specs. I remember your rec specs very vividly. Do you remember the um, the jersey and matching shorts phase as yes, well? Yes, yes. Your Kobe jersey and your purple shorts that was usually yep. accompanied by like Nike flip flops. And I, yeah, no, I'm telling I, you, I had no <laughs> self awareness as a kid. I just kind of <laughs> fucking rolled shit. And if anybody talks shit, I'm like, I don't care. Um, but yeah, I didn't grow out of the Titanic thing until like 13, which is pretty late. I feel like most kids would have caught on by then. Like, you know, this is kind of sus. For a for a thirteen year old kid to be this obsessed with a ship that sank a hundred years ago, it's kind of it's kind of off. A little bit, just a little. Um, number five, uh, final pick. Um, as corny as this is gonna sound, and this probably should have been taken earlier. In the same vein as my number one pick is the Breakfast Club. Um, there's a variety of reasons why I watch that movie a lot, uh, cause it's an easy watch. It's like the perfect length for a movie. Uh, the cast buck 40, right? Buck 40, the timelessness of the cast. There was also a phase where, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, fuck it. We'll share this. There was also a phase where a girl I was into whenever she'd get sad, she would say, come over and watch The Breakfast Club. And we'd just sit there awkwardly and watch The Breakfast Club. And that was, like, our way of feeling better, I guess, because we were both, like, dealing with some shit. So we'd, like, just watch a movie and feel better. Like, that was also, like, a feel-better movie at some point. Um, So, yeah, I think my top five is pretty solid. And we'll wrap it up with The Breakfast Club. Speaking of uh, the the Dark Knight, though, you want to know what's what's uh, gonna make you sad? It's Heath Ledger's birthday. Oh, you know how old he would have been today? Fifty. Forty-two. Forty-two. Oh my god! This man died, I think, when he was like twenty-eight. Oh my god! I didn't even realize that. Ooh, shit! You want to play Brokeback Mountain later? Yeah. I'll be Heath Ledger. Yeah. If, if, if you want to be Jake Gyllenhaal. We, is that what we're doing? The next time I come to visit, we're going up in the mountains and... <laughs> playing Brokeback Mountain? Playing Brokeback Mountain? I mean, I'm not opposed. What's your five? That was my five. I went first. Oh, you did go first. <laughs> Yikes. Counting. So, yeah. That's our top five movies. Um, to wrap up, so like I said, I don't know when this is going to come out, but um, we are golf guys. We are golf guys, and it is Masters Week. Golf Guy Week. Golf Guy Week. Big week to be a golf guy. 
Um, it's been really nice outside. <laughs> we both played golf recently. Um, I kind of forgot how fun Top Golf is. I was at a Top Golf for the first time in a while, just hitting hitting nukes at at the Top Golf at like ten o'clock on a Saturday morning. It was fun. Um, I'm really looking forward to the Masters. I mean, imagine being Jim Nance, and every normal year where there's not a global pandemic, your job is to go from the Final Four to the Masters in the same <laughs> in the same week. Just get on a jet from wherever the Final Four is to Augusta, Georgia for the Masters. Um, what days are the Masters again? Thursday through Sunday. Um, so that'll be that'll be uh, that'll have my full attention toward the end of the week. It was good to see uh, Jordan Spieth won a PGA Tour event today for the first time since 2017. Good yeah, to that see. Man, that man was washed for a minute. Good to see him get some momentum back going into the Masters. Um, it should be really fun. Um, obviously, you know we had a whole like podcast dedicated to <laughs> how much. Uh, Tiger winning a couple years ago like made us shed man tears. Um, so obviously the Masters, it's got some weight with us uh, golf guys. So looking forward to that. I really hate to say that I, I like Bryson DeChambeau like hitting bombs. I've come around on it. Like I used to despise Bryson DeChambeau. I'm like, this dude's a prick. Like he's like, oh, I'm big now. I got my Newsies hat and I'm yoked. Now I hit nukes. And I'm gonna be honest, him hitting bombs is kind of electric. I can't I can't lie. Um I don't know if he's got what it takes to win. We'll just have to see. But big week for us golf guys. Uh, how many rounds do you think uh Rory makes it through? One? No, he'll <laughs> he'll miss the cut. Like I'll I'll throw I'll I wish I could throw down some money on Rory to miss the cut. Um But yeah. Final four, going into the Masters, spring has sprung, it's April, the vibes are good, the vibes are good, um, Gonzaga wins the national championship by five, and I will give two Masters picks, and it will be, my two Masters picks are Bryson and my boy, the young prodigy, Colin Morikawa. Those are my picks, I have spoken, and this was a fun episode, I had fun. Did you have fun? Yeah, yeah, let's do it again sometime. Yeah, Paul, yeah, Paul, that was fun. Can we go to the ballpark today? No, Jimmy. Your dad's... Your mother's got you this weekend. No, Jimmy, your father's $30,000 in credit card debt. We can't go to the ballpark today. <gasps> Shout out baseball, it is baseball season. I will be attending some uh, some Rockies games. I'm going to drive out there to go to Rockies games with you. But anyway... Thanks for uh, giving us some of the most plays we've gotten in a long time uh, these past couple weeks. The people who are listening, uh, we'd like to hear your feedback. As always, tweet at us, DM us, email us, whatever you want to do. Leave a rating. Spread the word. Leave a rating. Spread the word. Don't care if it's half a star, one star, four stars. Tell us we suck. Tell us we're smart. Whatever. We appreciate you, and we will talk to you next week. Zag up. Actor out on loan, riders on the storm. And the music was good on the